Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Game Grid Lehigh. Game Grid Lehigh is an amazing place to buy and sell Magic the Gathering singles. Whether you're building a new cube or crafting your new constructed deck, Game Grid Lehigh is the place to do it. Got a draft coming up with some friends? Buy some seal product here and get it quick. So click the referral link in the description to help out the show. And don't forget to use the code DRAFTPRO10 to get 10% off on your next order at gglehigh.com. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today I'm uh, covering something a little bit unusual. Wizards has announced the first changes uh, to a limited format post-release that have ever happened essentially, barring like banning certain cards that were bugged on Magic Online. Historic Alchemy Baldur's Gate is getting a set of rebalanced changes, which I didn't think we would see because uh, limited formats have like a relatively short shelf life. And I figured that while it was clear that they are open to like live balance changes on alchemy cards, I assumed that they would rely on the natural rebalancing that happens in limited to cover uh, anything that needed to happen there and basically just not really like follow it or put the work into changing it and would just like wait for the next format to come out rather than changing an existing format. And to be honest, for the most part, I have thought that it would be better if uh, Wizards didn't like mess with existing draft formats. A lot of that is because as a player, I play both in paper and on arena. And as a content creator, I create content for people who play in paper and on arena. And it's convenient for those things if the products line up so that I can say the same things to players who play either online or in paper. Fortunately, with this um, alchemy format, uh, there isn't a paper analog. So them changing the format that exists doesn't really like mess with anything. There's not like, they're not splintering something that uh, had been homogenous. That alleviates a lot of concerns that I would have about doing this in general, which is to say that while I am happy about the changes here, I would still hope that this isn't precedent setting in terms of them changing uh, paper products that exist on Arena. So, for example, like I would not want in general, like while Streets of New Capenna is uh, like live and in standard for arena Streets of of New Capenna to get like a nerf to Inspiring Overseer where it's a 1-1 flyer instead of a 2-1 flyer. I think that uh, there, while it might make the format better, and I do think that that's a format that could have really used uh, some rebalancing to improve it, I think that splintering it from paper isn't worth it and isn't something that I would like to see happen going forward. But if they're going to continue sometimes making alchemy sets, then I would be happy to continue to see changes to those alchemy sets on Arena um, if the sets seem to need it. So as for when, whether, and why sets need or would benefit from uh, alchemy changes, I think it's important to understand that in general, I think it's 
uh, a cool feature of limited that it is self-correcting and you don't need to change the existing cards to make the format change. Uh, as players kind of develop a metagame and understand which colors are strong and what pressures exist in the format uh, and kind of the consensus picks change, the strength of archetypes change with it. The more people are taking white cards, the weaker uh, each individual white deck will be. The problem is, this is something that Andrew Cunio pointed out a while ago, and the more I've played, the more I see that it is true. There is this awkward dynamic on Arena where it's not really self-correcting the way that draft should be, especially at high levels, because the pairing algorithm or the seeding algorithm for draft pods is totally random, whereas the uh, pairing for matches is based on your rank. And so that means that if you're playing at limited, you're drafting against, or if you're playing at, sorry, if you're playing at mythic in limited, you're drafting against players at all levels. And the information disparity between the uh, really entrenched limited players who are at Mythic in those tables and the other drafters who are lower ranks means that like, rather than having this like developed high-level metagame where like everyone's fighting for the best color, each table will have kind of enough less... Uh, aware players who are more likely to continue to draft the weak colors. And that means that the stronger players get to draft the best colors and the best decks over and over and over. And it might correct a little bit over time, but it corrects very, very slowly. And the result is kind of a stale, stagnant metagame at the top where you're just kind of incentivized to draft the same deck over and over and play against other people who also drafted that deck or a similar deck over and over. And it can get uh, kind of boring and the self-correction doesn't happen. And so that's why it's nice to, when a format's really lopsided, have the arena team be able to step in and rebalance it to let the draft format it correct itself instead of the players correcting it. And so this is a format where I think like blue was so much weaker than the other colors that no amount of player correction really got to the point where blue wasn't still significantly behind. And I don't think that that was going to change. Uh, so I think this is a very good format to implement changes. And I think that Wizards in general is a conservative enough company that I believe that they are likely to follow the adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Which means that anytime you see them change something, it means that there's a perception that it was broken. If it wasn't broken, they wouldn't change it. They'd just leave it alone. Clearly, I think that this indicates that they believe that they were getting fewer people playing this format than they would like, and they're hoping that this change will get more people to try it again. And it's hard to imagine that failing. Like, I think anyone who is really into drafting this format isn't going to stop because of this change, and players who maybe tried it and then didn't like it but would like to be drafting on Arena, might say, okay, I'll give it another chance. And so I, I do think that this is going to be, from a business perspective, a good decision, uh, which means that it's likely to be replicated in similar situations, um, would be my predictions about all of that. So that's kind of the like 
meta thoughts on what's happening here and this process and stuff like that. As for the actual cards and this format and the strategy stuff, um, I think it's best to just go uh, card by card since there's, you know, 20 something cards that changed. It's not too much to cover. So just going in the order that the uh, cards were announced or listed in the article about the changes. First up, Dragonborn Looter. That's the formerly two mana, one, two Dragon Rogue uh, that has one tap, draw a card, then discard a card. Now costs single blue. This is a huge change. Um, might be the biggest change to any card. I have really liked the change to limited that's happened over the last few years of making better one drops. And I think a one mana looter that costs a mana to use is a really cool card. I'm excited to see how this plays. I think that the format was way too aggressive to want to play a two mana looter that still required mana in the future to activate. But when you can get it down as a one mana one two and then not be like behind because you played a bad creature on turn two, but have that creature down and ready to activate anytime you have a spare mana, I think makes this a uh, really good, interesting card that's going to um, help blue uh, get onto the board early and then also help it have a little bit more uh, power going late since like the looting, like the pace of the format is such that I don't think you can spend a mana to loot early without really getting punished for it. Uh, so it's more just you get to get an extra creature into play at the very beginning of the game, and then it kind of sits around for a while not really doing very much. But then once you do have a spare mana, it's there to help you pull ahead late. Um, and so I think that that's going to help uh, blue play differently than other colors, but in a way that makes sense in the format. And I think this is a really, really big, really impactful change that's going to make blue quite a bit better. Really happy about everything that's happening there. Next up, Pseudo Dragon Familiar. This is the uh, three mana, formerly two one flying dragon that you can spend three mana to give another creature flying until end of turn. The change is that it now has a second toughness. I think this is a very small change. I think this card was like pretty bad and now it's okay. The biggest implications of this change are that the card is not embarrassed by Pilgrim's Eye or Shambling Ghast anymore, and that helps it, like, function as a full card rather than just, like, get incidentally invalidated some portion of the time, which is a substantial improvement, but it's still, like, it's like an okay card now instead of a bad card, but it's not, like, a particularly significant card. Next up, Water Weird. This uh, is the 4-mana 3-4 that when it deals combat damage to a player, you put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it uh, if the top card of your library is a non-land card. Otherwise, you may mill a card. Um, so it's either growing or helping you draw non-lands. It has gained 1 in a blue to get plus 1, minus 1 until end of turn. This is a very weak ability, but it does come completely for free and makes the card better. I think that before the card was not something that you wanted to have in your deck, and now I think this is kind of like the Pseudo Dragon Familiar, where both of them go from like bad to okay, but not particularly good. 
Next up, Young Blue Dragon. This is the best blue common. It moves from a 5-mana 3-3 flyer with an adventure for 1 and a blue sorcery to scry 1 and draw a card. It becomes a 3-4 instead of a 3-3 flyer. So the best blue common gets a little bit better. This, I don't think, fundamentally changes anything that's happening. I think it's still drafted very similarly. I think all the blue decks still play very similarly, but a fourth toughness is appreciably better. And so this is just like a small bump to the power level of blue overall. Uh, being the best blue common, most blue decks will have uh, one or two copies of this card. And so the blue decks will just be a little bit better because of it, um, which they needed. Next up, you Come to a River was redesigned. It is now a three mana sorcery. And uh, one option is the owner of target non-land permanent puts it on the top or bottom of their library. And then the other option is the same as it used to be. Target creature gets plus one plus oh until end of turn can't be blocked this turn. I'm pretty disappointed. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, I happened to see a message from chat. Uh, the show notes are available for this on Patreon. I forgot to mention them at the beginning of the episode. Um, there is a lot here, so yeah, it might help to pull those up to follow along if uh, you have access. Sorry about forgetting to mention that at the beginning when I normally do. Um, but I, they do uh, cover my thoughts on all these cards. Um, so anyway, as I was saying, uh, you come to a river. I am very disappointed with this change. The stated goal of this change was to address the fact that Charmed Sleep is a really bad removal spell in the format and to give Blue a better removal spell. So this card is very comparable to Time Ebb, which is a three mana sorcery that puts a creature on the top of its owner's library. Uh, this can affect non-creatures since it's non-land permanent, but your opponent gets to choose whether it goes on the top or the bottom. The... Change to sorcery, I think, makes this effect much less interesting. Um, I think that, uh, like, Griptide, Berry, and Books style instant speed, put a creature on top of or bottom, is a really interesting removal spell because it does, like, do all the good things that instant speed removal does, where it, like, messes with combat and blows out tricks and stuff like that. But it doesn't do what you usually want a removal spell to do, which is permanently kill a creature. And I think that's like a really cool niche for blue to exist in. Uh, whereas when it's sorcery speed, it's like just a pretty weak tempo play. You're not answering a problem and you're, it's, you're, it, you can't really turn it into card advantage. If you have other ways to generate card advantage and you just need to buy time, this can do that. But at three mana, it's not doing it at a good rate. So I think this card is still bad. I think that, uh, like, given the statement about what this card was trying to do and, like, the power level of a card like Baryan Books, I think, and the fact that this card used to be instant, I think it's easy to overlook the change to Sorcery. But I think at Sorcery, this is just a, not a good enough removal spell to want to play. And I think that this is going to... I think this was a, like, really big mistake. Like, I think that Blue needed this to be that good removal spell that they wanted it to be, which I think it would be at instant speed. And I think even with all the other buffs to Blue, Blue will still be the weakest color. I, I think that changing this to Sorcery was just a very costly, very minor mistake. 
So that's uh, weirdly that that one type change from making you come to a river a sorcery instead of an instant, I think will uh, really do a lot to like dampen the effect of this like overall good set of changes to the format. But remains to be seen. But that's my prediction. Next up, Kenku Artificer. Uh, this was a 3-mana 1-1 one, one that when it entered the battlefield, you could put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on up to one target non-creature artifact. It became a 0-0 zero, zero homunculus artifact creature with flying. It is now a 1-3 instead of a 1-1. One, one. This is a difficult card to use. Uh, there aren't that many incidental artifacts. It plays well with treasure, but blue isn't very good at making treasures. Uh, I think it doesn't do it at all. So you need to like play this with... Uh, another color that's giving you artifacts or drafts from prophetic prisms or something, but this isn't a format where prophetic prism is great. So it's like pretty tricky to get the artifacts to use the artificer well, um, which means that for the most part, you're not really going to play this card either way. So two extra toughness doesn't do anything. If you do happen to have enough artifacts that you can play this, it will be appreciably better, but uh, that's going to matter to a very small number of decks. Next up, Val Eager Scholar. This is a three mana two one specializes for five with tap to loot and put a study counter on this thing. And it has changed to have an extra toughness. And then after it specializes, it also has one more toughness. It goes from specializing into a four three to specializing into a four four. I don't think this is a very significant change. I think that this card was just kind of too slow for the format and I think that with the other looter getting better anyway, there's less demand for additional looters, such that on balance, this might even be less desirable because you just play a different looter instead. And like the, the second toughness here, like this thing was really bad at engaging in combat. It still is really bad at engaging in combat. That's not really what you're looking to do with it. Uh, I think this card is going to continue to not be good. Next up, Alora, Rogue Companion. This was the 4-mana 3-3 specialized to whenever you attack, up to one target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn. At the beginning of the next end step, return that creature to its owner's hand. This gained a third toughness, going from 3-2 to 3-3. Again, the extra toughness helps. I think that the change from 2 to 3 is a little bit bigger than the change from 1 to 2 on Vol. Like, I think that both of these uh specialized uncommons are appreciably weaker than the specialized uncommons in like base almost every specialized uncommon in almost every other color so this is another spot where they recognized that blue is too weak and made it a little bit better but i don't think that these changes even though there are so many cards that got slightly better i think blue is still just worse in a pretty direct way than the other colors so while I like the changes they made, I wish they'd actually gone further on helping blue. Next up, Goggles of Night uh, is a two-mana equipment. Whenever a equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, scry one, then draw a card. It used to cost two to equip, now it costs one to equip. I don't think blue uses this card well. It's a pretty powerful card now. This is not very expensive, and it's a pretty good ability when it hits the opponent. But blue is so defensively positioned that spending mana to not add power and toughness and instead to like need to tap a creature that can like somehow connect to get more cards in your hand just feels very out of place for 
blue in this format and for the format in general. So I suspect that this card is still not really going to have a place. Those are all of the changes to blue. Uh, like I said, in total, they clearly make the color better as they were strict improvements to everything except you come to a river, which I think honestly might even be a worse card now than it used to be. It was a two-man instant speed bounce spell, and now it's a time ebb. And like, it's hard to say because it wasn't good before, but it's still not good now. So overall, blue is better, but I think blue will still be the worst color. It might be playable as long as like other people understand that it's the worst. I think that like tomorrow would be a bad time to draft blue because I think that like a lot of players are going to want to try it out with these new changes. And I certainly don't want to be fighting for blue cards if like other people are trying to take them. Next up, changes to black. Guildsworn Prowler lost a power. It is now a 1-1 death touch for two. And when it dies, if it wasn't blocking, draw a card. This is a big change, which is interesting since often the power of a death touch creature doesn't matter very much. But because uh, this creature is so bad to block because it trades with anything that blocks it and you get to draw a card, this thing hits the opponent a lot. And hitting the opponent for one instead of two is way less impactful. So rather than being a really aggressive card that's like pretty hard to race and pretty hard to deal with, this is now a minorly aggressive card that is very good at blocking because your opponent still can't really like use removal to clear it. Um, they have to just kind of trade a creature with it. So it's still a good blocker. It's still like a way to hit your opponent for some damage, but it's not winning races. So it's not a very good attacker, but it's still very good for synergies. It's really good with anything that wants you to sack a creature because you get to draw a card off of it. This makes black considerably less aggressive as a color. And I'm really happy about this change as someone who really likes Guildsworn Prowler, because I think that this might let me play with Guildsworn Prowler more. Um, I think that people generally are going to take it a little bit less highly, and I still plan to take it pretty aggressively. And that means that I'll get more copies of it. And uh, I think that it'll still play really well in more defensive black decks, which I look forward to drafting in this rebalanced world. I think the Guildsworn Prowler, I mean, it's obviously a lot weaker now, but I don't think that it hurts black very much. And I think that it will make the color and format more fun for me. So I'm pretty happy about the change to Guildsworn Prowler. Manticore. Uh, which was a 4-mana 2-1 flyer with flash that went on into the battlefield, dis uh, destroys target creature and opponent controls that they still damage this turn. I think that uh, getting the third power is quite significant, and this card is better. Uh, I still don't think it's going to be like a top black common or anything, but I think that before you didn't want to play it, and now it's playable. Baleful Beholder got a seventh toughness power. It used to have six power. I think this change is incredibly minor, and I don't really understand why it happened. Uh, clearly, the card is a little bit better. Uh, I don't think it's appreciably better, and I find this change confusing. Eyes of the Beholder costs one less mana, so it is now a five mana instant that gives target creature minus 11, 11 until end of turn. This is a pretty big change. Five mana instant speed, hard removal spell is 
not exciting, but it's certainly playable. Whereas at six mana, I think it was really bad to play it. Black already had a lot of good removal, and now it just has even more if you want it. And that's like just getting an extra uh, solid removal spell is pretty significant for the color. It's hard for this to be a big change because it's not like you're excited to put it in your deck now, but I think it's significant. Sigil of Merkel. This is the enchantment that used to cost three mana and now costs two mana and says at the beginning of combat on your turn, mail a card. When you do, if there are four or more creature cards in your graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control and it gains death touch until end of turn. I don't think that dropping one mana from this card is enough to change it from bad to good. However, this is part of a package of a lot of changes that improve green-black graveyard as a deck, and I don't know if that deck now wants Sigil, but I do think that uh, the cards, the changes really need to be viewed in aggregate rather than one at a time to figure out like whether green-black graveyard is good and uh, which ones it wants to use. So I'm actually going to skip ahead. There are a couple of red cards that I'll come back to to talk about the green changes that kind of pair with this change. Most importantly, Circle of the Land Druid, which was a two mana one one that um, milled four cards when it entered the battlefield. If you wanted, it's a May. And then when it dies, you can return a land from your graveyard to your hand. So this was like a Seder Wayfinder, except you don't get the land until it dies, um, but the milling is optional. And now is a second power. So now it's like an actual body that can trade with stuff. And that makes it go from pretty embarrassing to quite good. And that's a really big deal. A good green two drop is really, really significant for this format in general. And one that gives you almost guaranteed value is like exactly what green is looking for. Because now if you play this and your opponent plays a double team thing and they attack into this, you're up a land, they're up a creature, you're both up a card, you're not too far behind. So this is now a good card, which means that it's going to be played a lot. Like basically all copies of this that are opened are going to end up in decks. And that means that green decks are going to have way more access to two mana mill four, which means that all the stuff that uses your graveyard is way more likely to have some good amount of setup. So uh, Druidic Ritual also changed, as did Split the Spoils. Druidic Ritual uh, is still you may three mana, you may mill three cards, then return. It used to be up to one creature and one land. Now it is up to two creatures and or land cards from your graveyard to your hand. This is huge. It both means that you are way, way, way more likely to reliably draw two cards off of this if you just cast it blind on turn three. And more importantly, in the late game, uh, this is drawing two, like your best two creatures instead of drawing one creature and one land that doesn't matter. So this became both kind of like a reliable early divination and like significantly better like high impact late game card draw spell. So Druidic Ritual became like playable to good, which makes milling from Circle of the Land Druid way better than it was. Um, like the more of this stuff that mills you and then looks at your whole graveyard, the better all of it is. So we have a much stronger graveyard package, which means that the change to split the spoils, which was 
three mana, exile up to five target permanent cards from your graveyard and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles, put that pile into your hand and uh, the other pile into your graveyard. This card used to be really bad. It was three mana and... But like the fact that it was three mana didn't matter that much because you couldn't cast it until the super late game anyway. But it was just hard to have like five meaningful permanents in your graveyard. But now that you can play all of these other cards that mill you at a pretty good rate, uh, it's way more realistic to have a graveyard where Split the Spoils actually does something. And at two mana, it's getting you quite a bit of value uh, for the mana if you have other good setup. So this means that um, both of, all of this stuff and the black uh, zombify, whatever it's called, the mill three and then put a thing, creature from your graveyard into play is way better because now you're going to mill so much more before you do that that you're really likely to be able to like mill a big creature to get with that, which also means that like black green is more likely to get rewarded for putting random big creatures in its deck that it can mill and then zombify. So this whole green-black graveyard deck went from like not really a thing to likely very much a thing. The major places where they tried to add power in this patch were blue as a whole, which I think they largely failed at appreciably changing, and black-green graveyard, which I think they successfully changed. I think that black-green graveyard looks pretty legit. Now, going back to uh, Sigil of Merkel, I still don't know if that effect is what this deck is looking for, and the mill that it's doing might still be too slow to matter. Like Gray Slad, uh, the creature that you can uh, adventure to mill for, and then if you have four creatures in your graveyard, has like Death Touch and Menace or something, I think got a huge buff with this uh, set of changes, even though it itself didn't change, because um, the format just supports it so much better now. So I think that black-green got a huge facelift here. Anyway, moving back to red. Young Red Dragon lost a toughness and gained the ability to block. Uh, that is an upgrade, but not terribly significant. I think Young Red Dragon is still not particularly good. Dragonborn Immolator. It's a activated ability change from 1 in a red for plus 1 plus 0 to 2 in a red for plus 2 plus 0. I think that's a slight buff. I don't understand why they changed either of these red cards or what their goal was, or this one in particular is just super confusing to me. This is a change that's very much like the Baleful Beholder change, where it's like, I guess it's better, but I don't know why or what impact this is going to have, or whether it's going to have any impact. Uh, Dragonborn Emulator wasn't especially good. It still won't be. I don't know if, you know, like, if it was correct for it to be, for like 30% of copies that were open to be played, and now it's correct for 32% of copies that were open to be played or something. Like, I don't know. That change is baffling to me. White, a Steadfast Unicorn, now costs a fifth mana to activate. That is a big deal. Steadfast Unicorn, I think, was a defining card in the format, and a lot of games came down to double activating Steadfast Unicorn to give your entire team plus two plus two in Vigilance, which was really, really hard to deal with. Um, it is now much harder to double activate it. Ten is a lot more than eight mana. 
I think that this is an appreciable nerf. I think that Steadfast Unicorn is still very good. I think that uh, the optimal number of Steadfast Unicorns probably moves from two to three Steadfast Unicorns in a deck to one to two Steadfast Unicorns in a deck. And I think that it correspondingly drops in your pick order a little bit. Um, it's weaker, but still significant, still something that white decks are going to want to have, still something that uh, is going to like impact the way the game is played in a pretty similar way to the way that it did before. Blessed Hippogriff, similar situation. It is now two mana to make something indestructible instead of one mana to make something indestructible. That's a really big deal. A lot of the time that you used that indestructible trick, you were leaving exactly one mana up to do it. It's going to be a lot harder to get value off of now. I still think that it's going to be very good. I don't know that it will still be the best common in the set, but I still think that it will be one of White's top commons. I think, I mean, this this card was great. It had a good amount of room to get weaker and still be good enough. I think that before it was kind of just always good in everything, and now it's a lot more... The pressure to be an aggressive deck to play this card is higher. It is easier to use uh, tricks on your turn. Like, it's much easier to hold up one mana than two mana on your opponent's turn. But uh, on your turn, you can just attack before you play your spells. And if your opponent blocks and you want to use this, great. If they don't, you don't have to. And so I, I think that where this gets a lot weaker is if you're using it uh, defensively or if you're trying to use it specifically to protect a bomb. Um, like I've definitely had, since there are so many busted creatures in this format, I've had a lot of games where my plan was to get to like one more mana than the cost of like my broken rare and then play it with a mana up to protect it with Blessed Hippogriff. Um, it's a lot harder to like wait until you have two extra mana to protect a creature. So say for example, um, the double team 4-3 flyer that like gives things lifelink or flying or plus one plus one counters. Um, I, I found myself frequently waiting until turn five to play that with a hippogriff up. I'm not going to wait until turn six to play with a hippogriff up. I'm just going to cast it and hope it lives. So the ability to use hippogriff to make bombs bombier has been decreased. The ability to use hippogriff to make attacking better has not been decreased very much. So this already wanted to be played in aggressive decks since the body side uh, is obviously better for attacking. It has a combat trigger. Um, and that is even more true now. So I think this change pushes white to want to be more aggressive, to take better advantage of Hippogriff. Uh, yeah, that, that covers that. The three orbs of Dragonkind. Uh, there's a red, blue, and green artifact that used to tap for a mana of their color and then give you some ability, give dragons or you some ability when you cast a dragon spell using the mana. All of them now give mana of any color. I think this is a really good change. I think that these like team or dragon decks really needed the fixing, and I think that this makes them way more playable, and they kind of struggled before. Now you can play this orb, and it can let you play the dragon that you were splashing and make the dragon better. And now you like don't have to decide between playing actual fix and playing a thing that is good with your dragons. You can now play fixing that is good with your dragons. So that's a good change. I don't think that it will like make teamer dragons the best deck or anything, but I think that it uh, makes it 
I, I think that it makes these cards appealing where before I thought they were kind of questionable and it makes the archetype as a whole. I, I think it's going to be like a fine. I, basically, I think it used to be a trap and I think that it probably won't be now. Lantern of Revealing is another three mana mana rock. Three colors to play, tap for one mana of any color. It used to have an ability that was four and tap. It is now three and tap to look at the top card of your library. If it's land, you can put it onto the battlefield. Uh, if you don't put it onto the battlefield, you may put it on the bo uh, bottom of your library. This card wasn't great, and the fact that it cost four mana instead of three mana to use its ability was not the major thing holding it back. Um, it is now very slightly less bad. This is another change that I don't think matters very much. Navigation Orb. This is a three mana artifact that you can spend formerly two, now one mana, and tap and sacrifice it. Search your library up to two basic land and or gate cards. Reveal them and put, them, uh, put one under the battlefield tapped and the other into your hand, then shuffle. This makes the card quite a bit better. It was horrible before. This card had one of the lowest win rates in the format. Um, it was way, way, way too slow. I think that now it is acceptable if you need additional fixing, but I suspect that it will still uh, have a very bad win rate, and I think the card is still something that you should avoid rather than like factor into any sort of strategy. I think that this is... Uh, kind of a lose less sort of change. Not very impactful. And that's all the cards that changed. So I think I covered most of my overall thoughts kind of as I was going, but big picture, blue got stronger, but not very much stronger. I think blue is still gonna be the weakest color, but it's going to be more draftable than it was, especially after other people cool down on it after a possible initial um, run on blue as people might overestimate the impact of the changes. Um, I'm pretty excited to try the green black graveyard stuff. I think that there's like enough there that I'm not super worried about like needing to compete a lot for it now. I don't think that it's something that like everyone should want to do, but I do think that it's a cool different direction for the format and I hope that it creates like another viable direction that's doing something kind of different than the like very samey play patterns of the various Mardu combinations. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think that it's a cool project to see this stuff attempted, even if I think that overall they didn't go far enough. Although I, you know, have to respect taking a light touch for the first attempt. You know, we don't have a lot of data on how much does a limited format that's live change when you tweak cards. Wizards obviously has a lot more uh, experience with and data on that since, you know, whenever they're making the sets, they are drafting with them and then changing them internally and playing and then drafting again. And... um so I imagine they have a pretty good idea of how impactful a small change can be. And I think that it can be quite impactful. I suspect that this isn't enough to make blue good, but I could be wrong. And I also think that it's cool to see, um, you know, if you think about this in the context of Wizards kind of regular operating procedure and how... Uh, formats get changed internally while they're drafting them and then iterating. 
this might be kind of like a snapshot into what like a step in that process looks um you know how they might change a set uh from one draft to the next draft or from a series of playtesting to another series of playtesting so for those of you who are interested in the design side of things i think that this is kind of a cool look at uh the sorts of changes that wizards considers when they can make changes a pretty long monologue here a lot of individual changes to go over when talking about all of them so i'm going to open it up to questions and discussion from uh, those of you who are with me in twitch chat now any questions you have don't hesitate to ask and while i'm waiting for people to uh, offer some comments and questions here. No new patrons this week, but I do want to mention that there is an upcoming event in Salt Lake City uh, called the Magic Summit. Um, this is an event that I will be attending as a special guest. I've seen some discussion recently as the details for the Magic 30th anniversary event in Vegas were just announced. I've seen some lamenting about the price of that event and the um, kind of value for competitive players and the nature of that event for limited players in particular. One of the big draws to the uh, Magic 30th event in Vegas is that there is a beta draft that you can qualify for. Unfortunately, for limited players who might be excited about drafting beta, uh, the qualifying events for that are apparently modern and not limited. If, like me, you are disappointed because you are looking forward to playing high-level limited events, I think that the Magic Summit event is really awesome way to get to do that. I uh, The reason that I'm attending the Magic Summit is that I reached out to the organizers after I heard about the event because I thought it was a really awesome event. It is a pre-release limited tournament with a um, an un unlimited Black Lotus as the prize. I have always wanted to play a high stakes pre-release like that is literally the format that i most wanted to try competing in for like the last 20 years or something and uh so i'm really excited about this event and if it sounds cool to you and you would like to play a pre-release to win a black lotus uh you should check out mtgsummit.com and if you want to attend please use the code one word, lowercase, Sam Black, S-A-M-B-L-A-C-K, at checkout um, to get 5% off and help me out. Uh, so a little bit of a long pitch there because this is, event that I, it is an event that I genuinely think is going to be awesome. So sorry for the personal note slash ad in the middle here, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be sweet. Anyway, as for questions about the alchemy changes why do you think they didn't touch the understated five drops uh lazen and drider I, I don't think that they were in general trying to make every week card better um i don't think that this was about kind of narrowing the power band between cards i think that this was about changing the balance of play pattern and colors in the format and so i think that they just didn't happen to like uh, identify those cards as cards with substantial potential to change the format in the way that they were trying to change, so they got left alone. Do you think holding off on nerfing Coven and Lazelle was the right move? So the big question here is, should the strongest cards in a limited format be nerfed if you're making cha alchemy changes? 
And I think that Coven is one of the biggest bombs of the last several years. I think that it would be somewhat reasonable uh, to make that card weaker if you were trying to improve limited gameplay as your sole priority. I would point out that they did not change any rares and that the purpose here was to change the balance of the format as a whole. And changing a rare has very little impact on that because the rare comes up very little. Making a bomb very slightly less bomby is going to have roughly zero effect on how a draft actually plays out. Some portion of games that are played uh, might play differently if a bomb is nerfed. But if you're still going to first pick it and you're still going to draft the color around it or whatever, then all the other picks, all the picks in the draft portion go the same way, regardless of like whether Coven like loses some ability somewhere. So I don't think that nerfing the best rares is really like in line with the goals of these changes. And I also think that the rares are likely uh intended to potentially have a place in constructed i don't know for sure i haven't paid any attention to like alchemy as a format so i don't know if either of those is anywhere near showing up but i'm guessing that they would rather those cards have a chance to show up without being changed so that is to say i assume that the powerful cards are designed to be powerful for other reasons also i believe that limited is better if there are really strong bombs. And so I don't think that it was important to nerf them, and I don't think nerfing them was in line with the goals of this patch. Uh, which I guess is to say, uh, as to whether it was the right move, I think that it was not the wrong move. I think that nerfing them instead of not nerfing them would largely be a lateral move, in that it just wouldn't impact the format very much. So... I think that like if there are any other considerations to what those cards are doing, like if they matter at all and constructed, then it wouldn't be worth changing them for limited. Next question. Do I believe the color ranking will change much or at all? I think green was the biggest winner here. Well, I guess blue improved more than green, but not enough to... I think that blue is still the weakest color. And I don't know if the gap between blue and green even closed that much because green also got better. I think that green is now closer to the other colors. And I think white is probably... So white was the best. Uh, it got hit more than red and black. Is it now not better than red or black? Hard to say. So the gaps between colors clearly narrowed. As to whether like their actual order changed, less confident there. Another question. It changed and improved a lot of cards for mana fixing. Will multicolor stuff now work better slash be better positioned? Uh, I think that the changes to mana fixing were very specifically targeting teamer dragons, which, as I mentioned, I think used to be a trap and now I think is likely going to be playable. I think that the like best case win for this set of changes is that instead of this format being a bunch of Mardu aggro decks 
and then uh, like a green control deck, and then maybe an occasional like blue white value deck uh, as like a fringe like tier two option. And then also, I guess Team of Dragons is like a fringe tier two option. If we now have an interesting like green black uh, like grind graveyard synergy deck and like a very aggressive white red deck and a little bit more of like an attritiony red black deck with like prowlers nerf um, potentially making that deck more about like cool sack synergy stuff and less aggressive and then like a teamer deck like I, I could see the format becoming less all that matters is kind of like getting ahead with double team stuff and more a mix of different strategies, which would make the format a lot better if it succeeds at doing that. And I think that there were good steps made to push it in that direction. And I'm excited to see if it was enough to succeed there. Redesigning a card seems like a drastic move and the you come to a river change might uh, be better to just create a new card. What are your thoughts on adding a new blue removal instead of redesigning an existing card? Uh, I don't think that you should just add a card to a pack. There are the same number of commons in each color, and just adding another blue card throws off that balance. Like, if you're adding a new card, you would still need to, like, cut another card to make space for it, which is, like, the same as redesigning a card. And given that they probably don't have, like, an art asset lying around to, like, slot a new card in, it's probably going to have the same art that it used to have. So I think that it's probably best to just let it keep the same name. So I think that given that they wanted a new effect, uh, redesigning an existing card, I think is like the best solution to that. As I mentioned, I don't particularly like the design they came up with as far as its ability to accomplish their goals. But uh, I think that like the approach of taking a card that like wasn't very good or impactful and uh using that slot to make a new card that you like is might do the thing that you want it to do is you know i, I don't feel very differently about changing what an interactive spell does fundamentally than changing the numbers on a creature like changing the numbers on a creature also fundamentally changes what that creature does so you know like the play pattern on this card is very, very different than the play pattern on You Come to River used to be, but like the play pattern on Guildsworn Prowler is also very different than the play pattern on Guildsworn Prowler used to be. So I think fundamentally I'm okay with like the drastic redesign as like a thing to do. Any other questions? Seeing none, I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. This is a pretty exciting new direction for digital magic, and I'm uh, excited to see how it plays out. Uh, like I said, I think there's the potential for this to create a much more interesting format, and I hope it does that. I'm going to be playing it uh, when uh, it comes out, and I look forward to a follow-up episode to update on the extent to which I think it succeeded or failed at uh, doing these things that I'm hoping it can do. Thanks for tuning in and come back next week for the exciting conclusion on did these changes work? All right.